History is loaded with people who would come into one area and they would begin to oppress people. They would begin to treat them badly. And the people would have tears. They would cry. They would be down and out. You have a very, and they had no help. They had no comforter. All the power was in the hands of the oppressor. Well, let us take a look at God's people that were found themselves in the land of Egypt. And there, Pharaoh and his armies were the oppressors. They were those that made it difficult for them. They were those that put their foot on their neck, if you please. And there was great difficulty and great oppression. And they, they did cry. And the Bible teaches, as a matter of fact, when they finally begin to cry unto the Lord, then there became uh, some help. There came some help. And, of course, the Bible was teaching you at the time of their great oppression, and it was uh, probably about 400 years, 430 years that the Bible teaches, that they were without a comforter. They had no comfort. They had no help. They had nobody to console them, nobody to uh, hold up their hands, if you please, nobody to take up for them. But they woke up to something one day there in Egypt, and that is that things got so bad, things got so difficult, uh, things were so oppressive, such a heavy burden and a heavy load in their lives that they begin to call on the one whom they had forsaken. They begin to call on the name of the Lord. We have an added um, benefit in this day and age in which we live because now we don't just call on the name of the Lord, hey Lord. We don't just call on God, hey God. But now we have His name. His name that is above every name. And that name is Jesus Christ. So we, we have gone and superseded all titles. And all the titles are good. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. He is the first and He is the last. He is the Father. He is the Son. He is the Holy Ghost. He's every beautiful and wonderful God-given title. But He's also been kind enough in the fullness of time to visit us with an angel. And the angel came and said, Thou shalt call His name Jesus. And so we were given a greater benefit, a greater insight. Something was revealed that was hitherto kept secret even from the foundation of the world. But now, if you please, the secret weapon is out. The, the most powerful weapon that you can have, and that is the name of God, the name that's above every name. He chose to reveal that. He called it the family name. And he said that the whole family in heaven and earth is named after that name. He also said that every knee and every tongue, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess to that name, that he alone is Lord, and he alone is God, and he alone is the Counselor and the Wonderful, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And everybody said, praise the Lord. So, in the land of Egypt, they begin to call on the name of the Lord as they knew it. They begin to call on him, they called him the God. They called him the mighty God. And this is how he was known. They have said in history and tradition that uh, they, they knew his name, but it was so holy that they wouldn't speak it, and they lost it. Now, personally, I never read that in the Bible, and I don't believe it that way. But I do know from what the Bible teaches me that they did begin to cease to call on his name. For some reason or other, they were not calling upon the name of the Lord. And this brought great oppression and tribulation and hard time and difficulty. Mary, if you could slide over for me. Thank you. We've got some of our friends here. And I'm so glad to be here because I was waiting and waiting for her and her husband and then they slipped in when I was preaching in Fort Myers and they got baptized. Well, what can I say? All right. Give God a big hand. All right. So you notice here the writer, the wise man, Solomon, he said these folks were oppressed. 
to the point that they were crying and they had no comforter. And here we've got an example from the book of Exodus of just this very thing. Here are the people, 430 years, they're down there in Egypt, and Pharaoh is oppressing them, and they're crying now. And they finally woke up, as I said, and they started to call upon the name of the Lord. They started to pray. They started to cry unto him. And they directed their cry, and not doing it uh, in some haphazard manner or just saying things to the wind, but they begin to, if you please, lift up their eyes and their hearts, and they begin to direct their cries unto the God of gods and the King of kings. And they were in a land of false gods. The Nile River, the Egyptians worshipped that. And when the Nile River would overflow its banks in that certain time of the year, uh, then the, it would deposit little worms. And they thought that that was God and Him in creation. They had all kinds of weird and odd ideas. They, they worshipped... Uh, uh, things that they built with their hands and they worshiped the sun. They looked up at the sun and they would worship the sun. They had so many false gods and that's why when, one reason why, when they, the people of God in oppression and in tears and in heartache and difficulty, when they remembered their God and they began to call on their God. And in other words, we, we have help if we will appeal to Him. We have, we have somebody that will comfort us and help us in our difficulty here if we would just quit being forgetful or stubborn or distracted and looking to other things and other remedies to our situation. Well, all other remedies had failed. Everything else had fallen short and they were in such a misery. And as they began to call on the Lord, then the Lord heard their cry. And the Lord always works on both ends of the line. And God always has a man. And so, or a woman. And so God, and I can prove that by the Bible, and God uh, sent, uh, got a hold of Moses. He already had Moses preparing. Now Moses had to develop a, that meek, that yielding to authority attitude. And um, he did on that backside of the desert. Forty years when he left Egypt, and forty years he was on the backside of the desert. And there he learned some things about God. And God then appeared to him, sent his angel into the burning bush. And there Moses was talked to. And he got some things straightened out in a hurry. Number one, God said, get your shoes off your feet. You're on holy ground. We're going to show proper respect around here in a manner of holiness. That's going to take place. And so Moses immediately did so. And Moses began to listen to the instructions of the Lord. And then God had to remind him not to be uh, disobedient because that certainly got him in a lot of trouble trying to take things into his own hands. That's how he wound up 40 years on the backside of the desert. But uh, once again, he had a little smidgen of that uh, going around in his mind, and, and the Lord had to speak to him about that because he, he told him, he said, I'm, I'm not a good speaker. I'm slow of speech. Some people actually believe that the wording is actually telling us that Moses was a bit uh, afflicted with stuttering, and that he, he, that's why he said he was slow of speech and slow of tongue. And God began to reprimand him and begin to tell him, I made the tongue. And, I, and if I made it that way, then you don't worry about it. If I want to fix it, I'll fix it, in other words. And I have Bible example for the God doing just that thing. But anyway, God sent Moses down to Egypt. And it was time, and God gave him signs. And he only needed one of them. That's how powerful God is. And I'm going to tell you something. All of God's word is powerful. And I believe the Bible teaches, and I believe it, that we should have two or three scriptures in subject matter to help us to rightly divide the word of truth. I'm talking a minimum of two or three scriptures to uh, help us to properly rightly divide the word of truth and see what it's really teaching. I've given you an example many times. One place in the scripture said Judas went and hanged himself. Another place said go thou and do likewise. I don't think we want to put those two scriptures together and that's not subject matter and we don't want to be doing that, do we? So we do want to learn how to study to show ourselves approved and by rightly dividing the word of truth, okay? So what I'm saying to you is that as we study in subject matter, just remember this, it doesn't, it should not take, and it does not take for that willing heart, and the Bible did say if there first be a willing mind or a willing heart, if we have that, then we're not going to need 10 and 20 scriptures. Let me tell you something. 
you're going to sit up and take notice at each and every scripture, okay? And the good Lord, when he gives you chapter and verse and we preach it to you and teach it to you from the word of God, then you want to reverence that. You want to respect that. And you don't want to run from that or hide from that or, or close your ears or your eyes to that because of tradition or pride or man-made religion. You want the spiritual side of the book and you want to learn God is a spirit and you want to learn how he talks and what he means and how he means it. You don't want to get all mixed up here with natural thinking because it's going, and you'll never get to God with natural thinking. The natural mind, the Bible teaches, cannot understand the things of God. It is a spiritual book, and God is a spirit, and he's going to give a spiritual experience. And you want to remember where we started this morning. He said, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the comforter, these people had no comfort. They were crying, they were dying, they were in a mess. But the Lord heard them when they called upon him, and God will hear you when you call upon him, and he will send his great, oh, so great salvation to you if you will open your heart, sit up and take notice to what he's saying. And so Moses came and showed one sign, and in so doing, then the elders took heed to what he said. And I believe that God actually had them with their backs to the wall and uh, got them good and prepared and ready to hear what I'm going to say through my servant, Moses. And, uh, of course, and he was a type of the deliverer. That's who Moses was. And so as uh, Moses began to lay out the plan and begin to tell them we're going to leave and we're going to step out of this lifestyle and we're going to step into a spiritual lifestyle, and we're still going to be in the world, but we're not going to be of the world. We're not going to be thinking like we used to think. We're not going to be acting like we used to act. We're not going to be going to places that we used to go to because that's where we got in a mess. And that's where all the oppression and the tears and the pain and the disappointments and the dissatisfactions that we have all experienced. But now, now the comforter has come. I'm sending you one here to comfort you. The Lord has stepped up on the scene and said, I'm going to help you out here. And so Moses began to show Pharaoh the things that God needed Pharaoh to see. And in each and every miracle that God gave Moses in sign in front of Pharaoh, God was defeating one of Pharaoh's little gods that he worshipped and that he bowed down to and thought was so great. You'd be surprised uh, how some people in our world will talk. I heard, I read in the paper about a woman that wrote in, and she absolutely was trying to make a case that animals are actually on the same level as us human beings. Friend, let me tell you something. An animal, the Bible tells you, and I got nothing against them, except unless you start bringing them in your bed or something and get really weird about it. But, you know, put them outside where they belong, right? Let them keep the bad boogeyman away or whatever. But, uh, and if, you can't get, if the dog can't get rid of the boogeyman, show them to me. I'll take care of them for you, okay? Everybody said praise the Lord. And we have gone into many a house and prayed the devil out of there, let me tell you. And I thank God for his Holy Spirit. Give the Lord a big hand. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But uh, the Bible teaches you that the spirit of man that goeth upward. And then he told you about the spirit of the beast that goeth downward. Now, that's not talking about heaven and hell. That's just talking about that we have an opportunity here to have the life after this life. As opposed to the beast just goes back to the to the earth and that's it it's the end of it and people want to uh, worship the creature more than the creator and how mixed up and that's how they were in Egypt they were worshiping every kind of thing and and not worshiping God but the people that were there that had been uh, placed there if you please for 430 years they had a background and they had a history and there was something that had been imparted to them long ago that they had let let it get cold and let it get dull in their hearts and their minds. And I want to tell you, in every one of you, God set an eternity in you. He set that which is like himself. You have an inner person. You have a spiritual part of you. And that is going to give an account to God in that day of judgment. And you can get your help now. You can start calling on the Lord now. You can wake up to righteousness and that he wants to be your comforter. He wants to give you an experience and how happy they were when Moses 
led them out of Egypt and got them out of that oppression and that misery and got them going in the right direction. Everybody said amen. amen. And it's important for you to realize that this is not a, a one-day situation. This is not a one-month or one-year or uh, any limited amount of time, I should say. When you begin to live for God according to the truth of the Scriptures, it is for eternity. It's not a fly-by-night situation here. You want to tell yourself, I want to get God in my life, and I want to stay with it. It was unfortunate that many people that were so greatly delivered out of Egypt, here comes Pharaoh and his army decides, why did I let them go? And he comes chasing after them. And Moses is told, get up and tell my people to go forward. He raises the rod, the Red Sea opens, and they go through dry shot. And here comes the enemy attempting to do the same thing. Religion will always try to imitate truth and never do it. It will always fail and Pharaoh and his army drowned right in the water when it came back down, stuck in the mud. And that's where the world is at without a spiritual experience from God. You're stuck in the mud and you can't get out and you drown in your sin and your sorrow and your misery. And there's no need for that because God's love is so great that he loved the whole world and that he's trying to provide and did provide for each and every person from each and every country, each and every race, each and every language, everybody, as the country boy said, every stuff. There's nothing without the boundaries here. God is reaching through his church for everyone in every land throughout the earth. And everybody said, praise the Lord. So it's a miserable situation, you know, when you find people in the bad state I must say, that they're in. I remember, certainly remember being lost. And I remember, I was telling somebody the other day about our first table was a spool, uh, you know, like FPL or Southern Bell would use, and they wrapped a big cable around, and when they're done with it, it's just a wooden spool. It looks like a thread, a spool of thread without the thread. And this was a spool without all the big wire on it. And that was our table. And we got a couple of wooden milk jugs, and that's what we sat on, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm just trying to tell you that God wants to come into your life when that can just represent how empty everything is inside, how miserable everything. People can have every kind of, uh, the rich man had all kinds of things in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day, but inside he was a mess. Inside he was empty. He enjoyed the good things, the natural things, the natural things of life. He enjoyed those things every day. And, and he said, and, and you were comforted by those things. He said, but now you're looking up now, but it's too late because you're stuck down. You're looking up. And he said, and, and Lazarus, who suffered many things that were not so good now, he's comforted. I'd rather be comforted for eternity. I'd rather do it without in this life and be able to have in that life. And what that's saying to you does not mean that you have to be abysmally poor. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's trying to tell you, blessed are the poor in spirit, that you can get your human spirit under subjection, your will under subjection to God's will, not my will, but thy will be done. Let me put you first. Let me call on you. Let me not forget you. Let me remember when you put good in my life, let me not forget you that I know where the good came from. I know who gave it to me. Who gave it to me. He wants to truly comfort you. Uh, the psalmist said, Psalm 71 and 21, he said, Thou shalt comfort me on every side. Isn't that nice? going to comfort you on every side. He's not going to miss any part. He's truly got your back. He's the best chiropractor. And everybody said amen. All right. I want to uh, give you a scripture from the, uh, actually from the book of Isaiah. Everybody said praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 51. There are 66 chapters in Isaiah. I'd like to get you to 51 here. And verse 12 reads like this. 51 and 12. He said, I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Now comforteth. That ETH is telling you it's a continuation. See, the Lord is, is not going to just do something, you know. His intention is not to just do one thing in your life. He has many, 
good things planned for your life. He, it's not his intention to be there for just a tiny little bit and then not be there. He wants to be there for you. And everybody said, praise the Lord. He wants to be there when you're young for you. And he wants to be there when you get a little older. And he wants to be there when you are old. He wants to be there. Now, old is always 25 years older than I am. You know that, right? But whenever somebody gets to that place, the Lord wants to be there for you. Just because you suddenly get another birthday and another odometer on the mile, God doesn't suddenly disappear. Oh, I'm sorry, you reached that age, bye. No, that's not it. God's going to be there for you. So he said, I, even I, am he that comforteth you. And he said, who art thou, that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and of the son of man which shall be made as grass? There's nothing for you to fear if you fear the Lord. Everybody said amen. If you have that proper level of respect towards God and His Word, then you're not going to have to worry about what anybody else says or does. You just get yourself right in there, the Word of God, and get the salvation experience that He is offering. And He's not offering a handshake. He is not offering anybody anywhere to accept Christ as their personal Savior. Those words are not in the Bible. But what He is offering is for everybody to have the opportunity to repent of their sins, to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of those sins and then to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And remember, we read to you from the Bible this morning, 14 and 26 of John, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. So you repent of your sins, you get baptized in Jesus' name, and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, then you're getting the Comforter sent into your heart which is the seat of your thoughts and your emotions right here. It is not your physical pump. It is your mind. That is your heart, where you think from, okay, and where you feel from, the seat of your emotions. Everybody said praise the Lord. And everybody said hallelujah. Job, uh, I'm going to read you a little quick something from Job chapter 16. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, Job chapter 16. And this will be verse 2. He said, Shall vain words have an end? Or what emboldeneth thee that thou answerest? Okay? Now, when you see that people, that they seem to have so many answers, and they seem to rail against God, or they seem to rail against God's people, you want to remember that God knows how to take up the cause. God knows how to take up the battle. We never get involved with physical weaponry. We never, as the church, get involved with anything like that. That our weapons are mighty through God. They're spiritual weapons. Once again, the necessity of getting the Holy Ghost so that you are now going to be in the Spirit and that the works of the Spirit will be working in you so that you're going to be thinking differently. You're going to be acting differently. You're going to be reacting differently, okay? Everybody said amen. amen, and everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. Psalmist said in Psalm 69 and 20, listen closely here, Psalm 69 and 20, and he said, Let their table become a snare before them. And uh, um, everybody said praise the Lord. Okay, 69 and 20, lost my place for a minute. Here we go. I'm just losing my place here. Reproach hath broken my heart. That's what I want. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. That is the state and the condition that people find themselves in. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. All right, that's the condition in the state that people find themselves in, that they have no help. You can sit right on the front, guys, if you like. No reason why not. Front row seat. Amen. Everybody said new church. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and that's, that's a good thing. That's what we want. And we want some of you marry, some of you if you slide over. Young lady, come up here next to the lady in blue if you like. They'll let you right in there. They'll, they'll crunch up a little bit. They'll make some room. 
That's a good thing. We want to make room for you. All right. You know what they say, tighten up. All right. All right. Everybody said hallelujah. Let's give God another big hand. Amen. Amen. So what I'm saying to you now is simply this, that the world places us in situations where we are most unhappy and we are miserable and we need help. Uh, this writer said, I, I was looking for somebody or something to comfort me, to have pity upon me in my terrible situation. But he said, I could find no comforter. I could find nobody to help me. That also sounds like Job because Job made that statement. He said to those that supposedly were coming by to uh, proclaim that they were going to help him, and he's he called them miserable comforters. And they, they just got self-righteous and they got attitudinal and they tried to scare him with so many different things. I'm glad that the Bible tells me that this is a gospel of peace and of glad tidings, that the Lord has arranged it to where he can pick our lower lip up off the ground, that we don't have to look like a vacuum cleaner, that he can lift up our hearts with our hands, and that he can uh, be there to comfort us in our affliction, in our time of trouble, in our times of difficulty, that he can care about us when nobody else does. Isn't that wonderful? And that's exactly what the plan was because God is a spirit. He's here right now, but you do not see him. God is a spirit, okay? And yet the, the great eternal God said, I'm going, I've looked throughout, and I don't see anybody helping here like needs to be helped. So what I'm going to do, I've sent my prophets, and you've killed all of them. And he said, so here's what we're going to do. First of all, we're going to be quiet for 400 years. Not even going to talk to you between the Old and the New Testament. Not going to send anybody. Going to put you on a good fast so that when I, when I come, you're going to be hungry for me. And blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he that is righteous is going to come. The righteous branch. He's going to come. And so when the fullness of time was come, then God manifest or showed himself in the flesh. He showed himself clearly. He demonstrated himself. How did he do that? He spoke just as he spoke the sun, and you, you see the sun. Thank God for it, too. And, and uh, you see the moon, and you see the stars, and so many other things that God created. You see those things. They are manifest. You, they're clearly seen of you. So it is that God said, I'm a spirit, and you cannot see me, but I'm going to manifest myself in the flesh. And that flesh is going to come by my spoken word and I will speak it into existence and a, a woman, a virgin by the name of Mary shall bring forth that son and it shall be a sign unto you. She will bring forth that flesh. She will bring forth that babe and in that flesh I will dwell to the fullness. I will not give him like the prophets my spirit by measure but I will be in him to the fullness. God said I'm coming myself. I'm coming in the flesh. I'm going to dry your tears. And in the final analysis, I'm going to wipe them away. And there will be no more tears. How great is the Holy Ghost, which is the comforter. How great is the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And so the writer is saying to you that I'm going to, I'm going to, uh -oh, I'm going to, must have missed the catch, huh? All right. Everybody said praise the Lord. So God is saying that I'm going to look down upon the whole situation. And I'm going to see country after country. I'm going to see people after people. I'm going to tell you what Haiti needs. They just need to call on the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what every country needs. Be it China, be it Russia, be it America. You name any little island you want, Fiji, anything you want to name. But people just need to start calling on the name that's above every name the name of Jesus Christ, and they need to call upon that name in truth. And that's where the church comes in, because we've got to teach them the truth. Jesus gave birth to a truth, to a church, and he did it as he came in the flesh, and as that flesh grew in grace and knowledge, and went about in an earthly ministry, and did all the wonderful things that he did, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Then the Bible teaches that he went steadfastly up to Jerusalem, and he gave his life. Nobody took it from him. He laid it down on the cross as the lamb, as the lamb that in God's mind was slain before the foundation of the world. And that 
was a body prepared by the Spirit to be a sacrifice. And when the Spirit withdrew from that body on the cross, then the body, the flesh, was taken, known as the Son, and was taken and buried. And then the third day, the Spirit of God re-entered that body, and it raised up, raised it up from the dead, and then He showed Himself alive and victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And He told the people that would be at the beginning of His church, He said, you remember I told you, and you're a witness. You go and wait for the promise of the Spirit. Go to the upper room, Acts chapter 2, and you tarry there. You wait there, and I'm going to afterward pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. They will see visions. They will dream dreams. And I'm going to pour out my Spirit. I'm going to do it. And in pouring out of his Holy Spirit, then he made it clear. He said, this is the comforter, the comforter. He said, I'm, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come unto you. He, he made it clear in uh, his teachings here during his earthly ministry. In the 16th chapter, in verse 7 of John's account, he said, nevertheless, in other words, he told him about many things, and he said, sorrow is going to fill your heart. And he said, but nevertheless, even though you're going to have that kind of a rough experience, he said, nevertheless, in spite of that, he said, I tell you the truth. That's what I like about God's church. It tells you the truth. And if you get upset, then you're just upset with truth. Okay? And you don't want to get upset with truth because truth is what's going to bring you comfort in the dark hour in the bitter moment when the tears are flowing. Nevertheless, he said, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. That means it is necessary. There is no way around this. He said, is it expedient for you that I go away? Talking about the flesh that they were looking at. They could see him. They could feel him. They ate and drank with him. And, and he's getting ready to give his life on the cross. And, and he told them, this is going to take place. They're going to take me. They're going to whip me. They're going to beat me. They're going to crucify me. And, of course, Peter didn't like that language. He whipped out his sword and went to defend him. And the Lord had to tell him, you're getting in the way of the Spirit. You're getting in the way of the plan. Get behind me, Satan. That's the wrong spirit and the wrong attitude. You get your natural mind working, and God's going to call you what you are, a devil. Going to mean that you got a bad spirit on you. you got to get in the spirit. You've got to get with a chapter and verse. One man was so riled up in his religion that he claimed, he claimed to be a preacher. He said that he would rather be baptized in the name of a pig than be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That same day, being a butcher, he cut his tongue right in half with his knife. Let me tell you something. You don't want to put God's name down. You don't want to resist God's name in the name of your religion. You want to humble yourself to that name that is above every name. You want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. But once again, he said, nevertheless, he said, I tell you the truth. He said, it is expedient or necessary for you that I go away. He said, for if I go not away, okay, if I go not away, he said, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, this flesh, if I depart, he said, I will send him unto you. The plan. In the flesh, he couldn't get in anybody. You understand? He was flesh and blood just like you. He couldn't get in anybody. But when he died on the cross, the spirit withdrew from that body. That body was buried. And then he, he re-entered that body, the Spirit did, and glorified it, and he became the first of us who will one day rise from the dead, giving an example here, setting the plan in motion here. And so in doing that, then the Bible is teaching you without a doubt that there is an experience that is being paved, the way is being paved for each and every one of us, that we could get this comfort in our lives, that we could get this experience that he said the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus uh, poured out his spirit after he had risen again from the dead and showed them and told them and sent them, and there they are worshiping and praising and magnifying the spirit, and then on that particular set day that he poured out his spirit for the first time for whosoever will, and they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, including Mary, the mother of that flesh. 
known as Jesus the Christ. And so they were all, Peter, James, John, all of them, about 120, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. They received the Comforter into their hearts because God poured out His Spirit upon them. And in so doing then, they went and began to preach to everybody everywhere, spreading the comfort, bringing the knowledge of how to receive the Holy Ghost. And everybody said, Amen. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he termed it in teaching to the church. He termed him this way, the God of all comfort is what he called him. And he said, who comforteth us. Talking about the church now. People that are baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, "Who God who comforteth us in all our tribulation, our hard and sorrowful times, that we may be able to comfort. Everybody said, praise the Lord. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort. Amen. So we get the Holy Ghost, and then we can go tell others about the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. We can tell them, if you'll repent of your sins, we will baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ. All your sins will be forgiven. And then we will pray for you, and God will fill you with the gift of His Holy Spirit. And when he does that, then you're going to have the comforter in your heart. He's going to be with you 24-7, 365 and a quarter. Not going to miss a leap year, not one time. He's going to be there every day for you. And everybody said amen. And everybody said praise the Lord. And everybody said hallelujah. As the church that Jesus gave birth to uh, here in Acts chapter 2, as they went forth, as I said, and they spilled out of that upper room, and they begin to preach to people and teach to people and witness to people. And they begin to go into all of Jerusalem. And then they went outside the boundaries of Jerusalem. Philip went down to Samaria. And the whole entire city responded, save one. He responded, but he had a bad heart. But he, uh, everybody res responded to the name of Jesus Christ. And evil spirits were cast out. And people were filled with joy. And they got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the apostles laid hands on them. These people received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as it kept on going in the book of Acts, which is a history of the church that Jesus started, the congregation that Jesus started, and as they begin to go forth into all the known world and become witnesses to everybody everywhere, then the Bible teaches as the churches were exploding and growing, then they were setting up new congregations in new places, in new areas. That's why you read Romans, and that's why you read uh, Galatians. And that's why you read Philippians and Colossians. All of these were the names of cities and areas where people had believed and gotten baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And their churches were started, their congregations were started there to reach that area. And, and God would have men that would be appointed by the ministry and would be placed in those cities to keep witnessing and keep working with and developing the congregation in that area. And in so doing then they would, the apostles would send letters or messages or epistles, and that's why you have Romans to Revelation. That's what they were. They were letters or instructions that were sent to these new works in these new areas and telling them, now that you have experienced salvation, now you're going to better understand salvation. We're going to give you a deeper understanding. There is no contradiction in the Bible. One scripture from over here does not fight one scripture over here. It is to be rightly divided. It's your natural mind that makes the contradiction. When you get in the spiritual mind and get the spirit in your heart and life, then you're going to begin to get the eyes of your understanding opened. And your understanding will be open that you can understand God's mind on any one given subject about things. And Everybody said praise the Lord. So the book of Acts is a history of the early original church that Jesus gave birth to as it went forth and has come all the way to here and now. No amen at the end of the book of Acts. And here he said in verse 31, because there was persecution, because there was tribulation, because there was hard time, because there were oppression, because everybody didn't like the message. Everybody didn't want to hear the message. Many had organized religion and they fought against the message, okay? But he said here in verse 31 of Acts chapter 9, he said, Then had the churches, or the congregations that I was telling you about, rest. They had rest throughout all the area 
and it said, and were edified. That means they got stronger in God. They got more knowledgeable. They weren't only experiencing salvation, but now they're getting the understanding of salvation. They're now that they've got the experience of the comforter in, the, in their lives, now we're going to teach you how to live the life. It is not enough to get saved. Like I said, it's not for a day or a week or a year or whatever, but it is for eternity. So you've got to keep saved. You've got to keep yourself delivered. And that's what the teaching begins to come in uh, for the pastor to give to the, to, the, to the flock and to teach the people how to stay saved. Now that you've been cleaned up, now that you're in the body of Christ, now we're going to give you some updated seminars and we're going to give you some sense and some understanding and you're going to know now, uh, not just experience this, and it's wonderful, nothing greater than getting the experience except for the fact that you get some knowledge about the experience you got. You got a whole lot more than you realized when you got the Holy Ghost, which is the comforter. And everybody said amen. He said, so the, the churches then, they were at rest and they were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. God's going to be with you every day. His Holy Spirit, that experience that you receive, is not going to run away on you. Everybody said praise the Lord and everybody said hallelujah. I want to give you in conclusion John 14 and 18. You can stand with me now. John chapter 14 and verse 18. This is right out of your Bible. I'm taking the extra time to just turn to it so you'll know it's coming right out of there, okay? John 14 and 18, Jesus spoke these words, and they are true today as they were then. And he said, I, now remember, you've got to get the setting. He's fixing to leave. He's fixing to, to be uh, caught up here, okay? And they're not going to see him anymore. You understand what I'm saying? And so sorrow is filling their hearts. Jesus, you're going away. What's going on here? And they, they weren't too happy about that, okay? Everybody said, praise the Lord. All right. And so this is what Jesus told them because he foresaw everything. He knew that they were going to be upset. He knew that they were going to feel loneliness. He knew that it was going to bring tears to their eyes because he was going to be crucified and that he was going to be gone. He told them, where I'm going, you can't go, at least not now. And so there was much doubt and fear and unbelief and sorrow that had filled their hearts. But here in verse 18, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. He said, I will come to you. And that's how he comes to us today and now, by filling us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, he's going to wipe away the tears, okay? He's going to give you an experience that's going to take care of your heart. And he's going to be with you for all of eternity. He's not coming for fly-by-night here. Not coming for just a short little season and then you'll be abandoned. It's not going to be that way. Our Heavenly Father is not going to abandon us. He said, as a matter of fact, He said, I can put you in a hand that no man can pluck you out of. No devil, no spirit, nobody, no nothing, no way and no how can get you out of that hand. It's all up to you. If you want to stay in it, you can stay in it. You can get saved, and then you can stay saved. And along with that, then you can comfort people with the very thing that you've been comforted by yourself in their time of trouble and tribulation. And that means that you can help save others. Let's give God a big hand together. We're ready. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift our hearts with our hands and love Him. Let's worship Him here this morning. Get those hands in the air. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good, sing. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good, sing. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. People from every nation. People from every nation and tongue. From generation to generation, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we worship you for who you are. We worship, we you. worship you. Hallelujah, 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 we worship you for who you are. You are good. Yes, you are, yes, you are. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good, see. 
All the time and all the time 